Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. I've been noticing a very recent and very significant dynamic out in the zeitgeist. Lots of people are writing about it in the blogosphere. Lots of people, and especially churches, are wrestling with it. It's why people in their 20s are leaving or are over church. The other day I posted two simple questions on our Open House Community Facebook page. First, I don't go to church because. Second, I left church because. Jump on and read some of the replies. Better still, give us a buzz. I'd love to hear from you on this, whether you're Christian or especially spectator to the Christian faith. If you don't go to church, why? Or if you've left church, why? Give us a call, one three hundred forty twenty twenty, or keep posting on our Open House Community Facebook page. Let's get an open house conversation underway about this. Or if you're a minister, I hope we have lots of them listening tonight, for I hope they'll hear lots of wisdom and gain some real insights about how church is run or how it should be run. Give us a call, one three hundred forty twenty twenty. I'm so glad to kick off our discussion with one of the people who's been leading this online conversation over recent times, Christian Pyatt, who sparked lots of debate with his two articles. First, Seven Reasons Why Young Adults Quit Church, and then as a follow-up, Four More Reasons Why Young Adults Quit Church. Christian is an author, editor, speaker, musician, and church founder in the United States, and he joins us on Open House. Christian, thanks very much for your time. Thank you for having me. Very interesting and important discussion. What aroused your interest in the first place about this? Well, I've written about this subject quite a bit. My wife and I wrote a book back in 2007 called My Space to Sacred Space, uh, God for a New Generation. And I've kind of been speaking on the subject ever since. And I was actually on the road uh, speaking to uh, a group of uh, folks in Kansas uh, about this very issue, so it was on my mind that weekend. And so, while there, I came up with this with this list. Do you think it's an issue that's gaining more traction? It's becoming a greater issue. It's been a concern for a while, but I think it's getting to the point where uh, you know um, it, it really affects the ability of uh, of uh, religious organizations to remain relevant, to remain fiscally solvent. And when those things start happening, then people really pay attention coming generation is the most unchurched generation in many, many generations in the United States, meaning that uh, their parents never took them to church, and it's just never been on their radar. It's never been a part of their life, uh, their identity, even from birth. So you've proposed these seven reasons and four more about why young adults quit church. Can you just quickly take us through them? What are your thoughts? Uh, well, the first one that I put is uh, that we've been hurt by church. Uh, I, I meet uh, people almost on a daily basis that can talk about something that happened, uh, whether it's emotional abuse or even physical or sexual abuse, or uh, just feeling excluded and, and left out on the fringes and really not a part of things, or being you know being given an ultimatum that's saying if you don't believe or do this, then you're out. So that that's a, a very common one. Another one is. Uh, that adult life in college, uh, you know, college life and church oftentimes don't seem to mix. You know, we're we're told as we're adults to go out and expand our world, to think for ourselves, to think critically, uh, and to explore new things. And yet, 
the implicit message that a lot of people get from organized religion is don't think for yourself, don't question, don't stretch out into new things, don't study other faiths, don't, you know, question your own. Uh, and so the two seem to be incongruous for a lot of people. Um, another is that there's no natural bridge to church. Most of the people, most teenagers, when they leave home, uh, they, they, uh, you know, they, they physically leave their, their city or state where they are. Uh, and the, the reality is that most churches, there are institutions that are set up that assume that, uh, that our culture is fairly static still. They were built back in a culture when people didn't move around as much, when nuclear families stayed together, and there just wasn't as much travel and relocation. Uh, and the reality is now we leave, and the assumption is the culture of the church is that people will come to us when they need us. But uh, the reality is that a teenager who's out on their own, insecure, doesn't know the area, doesn't know the culture, doesn't know the people, doesn't know if they belong, is not just going to walk into a church. Another is that we're distracted. Uh, there's so much that's demanding our attention these days that uh, that, that things like uh, that, that aren't life or death or that don't just command our attention right now, uh, you know, that, that don't seem relevant enough for us to stop what we're doing, that don't cause an interrupt for us to stop what we're doing and change our course of attention, just gets added to what I call the later pile. And the problem is we usually don't have any time or energy to get to the later pile. And another one is that we're skeptical, and this is not necessarily because, you know, life is terrible, life is hard, or anything like that. What I mean by that is that, you know, we get more ad uh, impressions, more more messages coming at us, more marketing messages coming at us now in a month than any other previous generation did in a lifetime. Yes. And so whereas we used to spend more energy seeking out information, now we spend that same energy or more filtering out information. And so we're having to become more skeptical and, and discerning about the information that comes to us. And so when church comes at us and the, and the message that we're getting is, we want you, we want your time, we want your money, uh, then that's just another demand on a very limited resource already. Uh, then the last two on the first, in the first article, we're exhausted. Uh, you know, the, the, the reality of our culture now is that you really have to uh, have a dual income uh, to be part of the solid middle class. You have to run uh, extensive lines of credit. You have to live a life in debt, and you're always chasing that rabbit down the hole. And and so uh, you know, just to maintain uh, what's considered an average standard of living now, especially in the United States, uh, requires so much more. I mean, my wife and I work full time. We have two kids. Uh, and if church wasn't part of what we did for a living, it would be really hard to find time for it. And the last one is, is kind of one that you and I already touched on at the beginning is I don't get it. Um, when I say I, I'm, I'm being hubristic enough to speak on behalf of young adults. Uh, but uh, the, it's the most unchurched generation in a long time. In a lot of cases, uh, there's not, it's not the fact that they're walking away from church. They just never went into church to begin with. Uh, so, you know, there, there's no uh, big reason to push me to go into church. There, it doesn't seem relevant to my life. I'm not going to take the chance uh, if, if, I don't, if I don't have a sense that it's relevant to my life. I'm not going to probably risk going through the door, maybe getting rejected, ignored, not feeling like I belong, not knowing the rules or how things go, to figure out whether or not it is necessary or relevant to my life. And you encapsulate so much of that with an illustration of a college outreach, this guy standing on a box with a bullhorn. 
Yeah, that was actually a real experience I had because uh, when I was uh, a teenager, when I was 17, I actually got thrown out of uh, a church. Not not literally thrown out of church, but I, I got a uh, youth leader who threw a Bible at me because I was asking too many questions and challenging some of his interpretations of Scripture. Good grief. Um, and so I left church for 10 years, and I, I, I had pretty much resolved not to go back. Uh, and so the only image that I had of religion was when I walked around on campus, and there was this guy literally standing on a, on a box, you know, like a soapbox with a bullhorn, yelling about how I was going to go to hell. And I thought, well, that is exactly why I want to have nothing to do with religion right there. You explain what you would have liked in preference. Well, what I would have preferred is a person who actually invested in me as a human being, who wasn't so much uh, trying to scare me into believing what they believed, but they were willing to invest in me as a person, to listen to my story, to ask me what I needed, and to meet me where I was, Uh, and uh, not so much to pander to me to try and get me into church, but just to get to know me as a person, that was the most important thing, and to feel comfortable in sharing each other's stories. Yes. That's really where the relationship should begin in discipleship. So you set out your seven reasons why these people are leaving church. Then you added four more. Why did you add them, and what are those? Take us through those. Well, I knew it was an incomplete list when I first started. And, you know, this is, uh, I first posted this on my blog, and it got, then it got picked up by Huffington Post, Red Letter Christian, Sojourners, a bunch of different places. Uh, and uh, one reason I decided to expand the list is because I got so many thousands of, of impressions, so many thousands of people read it that I thought, well, this is obviously something people want to know about. And I knew when I wrote it, I had hit like a thousand words already with the first seven, so I stopped. But I knew it was hardly a comp- comprehensive list. Uh, and so, you know, when people wrote to me and said, oh, you know, I'd love to hear more about this, I thought, well, you know, maybe I should go ahead and continue this. So the next day I added four more. Take us through those. Uh, well, one of them is uh, we don't want to be talked at anymore. Uh, and this is an interesting one because I do see the value of sermons, of more uh, didactic sort of lecture-style teaching. And in fact, Jesus even did that on occasion, you know, quite quite often. Uh, but the reality is the culture we live in, people now expect to interact. They don't really expect to sit and be passive receptacles for information. Uh, the example I give is a friend of mine, Ryan, who I asked if he was going to go to this conference I was headed to. And he said no, and it wasn't because of the content, it was because of the format. He just could not sit and listen to a lecturer talk to him for an hour anymore. It just, he just didn't, wasn't even able to, to absorb it. Uh, so that was one. Uh, another is that Christians, Christians are seen as hypocrites. And, you know, of course, we can see this all over the, the media. The media loves a, a scandalous story about a Christian. Uh, you know, the only thing we like to see better than the underdog winning is to see the, uh, to see the mighty fall. And uh, and so there are plenty of examples of that to reinforce our stereotypes of Christians as hypocrites. But we also see them on a daily basis. You know, we, uh, for our book, My Space to Sacred Space, my, that my wife and I wrote, we surveyed 765 young adults, uh, Christians and non-Christians alike, and the two biggest, uh, most common words that people use to define Christians, including Christians themselves, was judgmental and hypocritical. Um a third is is kind of similar to one in in the previous article. The church uh, seems to lack relevance. Uh, you know, I don't know exactly how it was in in Australian culture in the last thirty or forty years, but the United States has been obsessed with self help, uh, and uh, you know, it started. 
I think back in the 60s and 70s, but it's continued today with things like The Secret and, and the like, which is all about, and, and what I call a prosperity gospel, you know, the idea that God wants you to be rich or that your material prosperity is a sign of your faithfulness. Uh, and, and I think a lot of people don't, uh, you know, that they don't necessarily buy that, but at the same time, the true message of Christianity is it's not all about you, and it's about sacrificial uh, giving of yourself and your love and your heart and your your, your material uh, possessions and everything. You know, drop everything and, and follow me. That's a tough sell in a culture that is basically telling you that it is all about you, that you're at the center of your own universe. Um, and then the last one that I put was because somebody wrote to me and mentioned this one. She said, I actually tried really hard to find a church when I went to college. I went to a bunch of different churches, and I didn't see anybody within 15 years of my age to, to relate to, so I just left. Uh, you know, she said, I saw families with children, I saw older people, and that was it. Uh, and so there, were no, but there was no peer group there for them to identify with, so they just didn't stick around. Can I take you back to your point that you made about it's not all about you? Because that's the question that I had when I read this, I think, very helpful but very thought-provoking list. I feel mm-hmm. like asking them my own question, so are you saying it's all about you? When isn't church supposed to be about God and the Christian faith about Jesus? That's right. Well, and but the the really successful, a lot of the successful ministries, like for example, Joel Osteen in in uh, the United States, uh, tell you it is all about you. It's about you. It's about making your life better. It's about gaining more wealth. It's about feeling better about yourself, and that that it really is. You know, Jesus is your your life coach, uh, and I don't think that that's what Jesus was about. Uh, in fact, he's you know we're we're told by Paul to die to our old selves and to to live again in Christ. Uh, Jesus says, "Drop everything, sell everything, and follow me." He's asking for a complete sacrifice of what we know, what we believe are our lives is, is important in our lives today, to divest ourselves of that and move on to something new, uh, because he knew that when we clung to those things, uh, whatever it was that we believed were valuable or were important. Those would become our gods. And and so, yes, there are plenty of ministries that will tell you that it's all about you, but I believe that the true Christian message says what being a Christian is about is about getting over yourself. Yes. So what's the solution? Because I think you're so right in so many of your critiques, and yet if I'm a church minister out there, my shoulders have been kind of more and more slumping with each of your... <laughs> points that you're making is there a solution to connect this generation of people with church either hold them there or draw them back well i think the first thing we have to stop doing is stop hoping that that young adults are going to come back in numbers that are going to resurrect our existing old institutions because first of all they don't have the same value they don't hold the same value for those institutions that we do and second, even if they do come back, they're going to change those institutions so radically that they're not even going to be recognizable in the long run. So we've got to get over that idea, I think. What I, the way I finished my article, and I know that this is not it's, – it's kind of amazing to me that I still get paid to go around the country and talk about this stuff because I don't – I'm not exactly the bearer of great news sometimes. <laughs> but, but what I said was I tried to offer insight into what might be done about a few of these issues as I went along in the articles, but I invite you also to sit with the tension of not having the answers. Better yet, seek out some young adults, ask them if they relate to these, and see if they have ideas about what you, 
maybe not even church, but you as an individual can do to help relieve some of these challenges. And I think the conversation that follows might pleasantly surprise you. What we've got to do is we've got to, as when, when Jesus said, drop everything and follow me, I think he also meant our attachment, our unhealthy attachments to church and to institution. Drop those and follow. Drop those and walk out and take the risk face-to-face, person-to-person, uh, human being to human being, spirit to spirit, and start getting to know people uh, individually and in small groups and coffee shops, in your homes, over meals, and uh, and learn about their lives. And from there, Trust that God will speak through those relationships wherever two or more are gathered, and that you will be inspired uh, to to do what God is calling you to do. Christian Pyatt, it's been a most uh, stimulating and thought-provoking conversation as well as your article. Thank you so much indeed for joining us on Open House. Great. Thanks for having me. Christian's an author, editor, speaker, and founder of the Milagro Christian Church in Pueblo, Colorado, and we'll post his two articles up on our Open House Community Facebook page. We hope you enjoyed this Open House podcast. Thanks to Christian Super and Real World Technology Solutions. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.